Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. This morning, we're starting a six-week series in the home groups on the essentials. So remember uh, this last year, we went through the essential non-essentials, which means like, well, what what about alcohol and what about this and what about that? We're going to talk about the essentials. And when I was... uh, in college and even in high school, I would go with these really good friends of mine to their church. And it was called St. Columba, and it was a Catholic church. And when we came in, um, they had all these rituals and things that you would do. And I didn't know what was going on in the beginning. So I'd walk in, and I felt like out of place. And then pretty soon, I started to kind of get it down. I knew what it was. I kind of, they thought I fit in, but I knew I didn't. Because I didn't know all the things we did. But one of the things that we always did was do the Apostles' Creed. So I want to show that to you. So... Um, the Apostles' Creed, we would, they, they did this one and the Nicene Creed. And what we're going to do for the next few weeks is, is talk about this. And what we did is we would come in and, and repeat this. So if you could, I'd like you guys to do this with me. And we'll do it just like we did. And some of you know how this goes, so if you could stand up with me. So I start from the top. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. And so I would stand like that, and it would sound like that, and yet I knew what was going on inside of me. And, and there was a, it changed over time. In the beginning was, I just wanted to get the words down. And then it was, I wanted to get to the point where I memorized the words so I didn't have to look at it so that I looked like I really belonged. And then I get to certain things that I didn't understand. And so I'm like, well, I'm not going to say that because I don't really believe that. So I'm not going to say that. Um, so I'd get to things like um, the Holy Catholic Church. And I was like, well, I'm not Catholic. I mean, I was born Catholic, but I don't think I'm Catholic. So I'm not going to say that because I didn't understand what that really meant. So I'd say what I thought. I agreed with and what I didn't agree with. And so I'd leave things out. And then it got to the point where I got this down, where I had it memorized. And so then I just got into the routine. I would just come in and say it, but I didn't know it. Does that make sense? Like I would say it and go through it, but I didn't really believe it. I didn't really know what it was. I was just trying to get it down. It was almost like doing the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, my kids go to a school where they speak English and Spanish, so they do the Pledge of Allegiance in Spanish. That's been my goal this past year. Get it down in Spanish. But I'm just saying the pledge. I'm not really thinking about what I'm saying. I'm just trying to get it down. And then over time, it got to the point where I'd have to start wrestling with this stuff. Well, I believe in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Wait, wait he descended to hell? Like... Did he really descend? Like, you have to wrestle with this because this 
is the Apostles' Creed. This, for the church since the second century, is the essentials. You know how you go from one church to another, like, well, they believe this and they believe that. You know, and even as I'm talking about the Catholic Church, some of you are like, yeah, I agree too. I wouldn't say that. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'm Catholic. How dare you say that? Do you understand the Catholic Church are our brothers and sisters? Do you understand that we agree on this? And there's some of those other churches that you're like, well, yeah, they shouldn't be doing it. We agree on the essentials. And the essentials is what matters. The other stuff is what we argue about because we like to find excuses to not get along and argue with each other. That doesn't mean they're not important. Some of the things we're arguing about are important. However, they're not essential. And what we need to discuss and talk about are the essentials. And these are the essentials. And so this is what we're going to start going over um, for the next six weeks. We're not going to get deep into the history of the Apostles' Creed as much as we want to get into, well, what are these essentials? Why are they essentials? The way that this Apostles' Creed came about... um, was kind of obvious, right? Like eventually, if you're part of a group, you got to figure out what's essential. What do we, what matters? And so from our understanding, um, we, have, we have record of something very similar to the Apostles' Creed from the second century. We're assuming that the Apostles came up with something, but we don't have anything written from the actual Apostles. In fact, The closest connection we have is from the Apostles' Creed, um, from one of the people that translated it to Polycarp, who was discipled by one of the Apostles. So, one level of separation. And when we call it the Apostles' Creed, it's because when you think of Acts 2.42, which says that the early church devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching, um, to uh, the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. This is how they operated with each other. The apostles' teaching was the teaching of Jesus. And so what they're sharing, and what this is, is the apostles' teaching, which comes from what Jesus' teaching was. That's all they had to offer. I mean, they were fishermen and zealots and just normal people, but they're sharing what Jesus shared. And he shared this. And in uh, around the 300s, 400s, then it became written. And it was in Latin. And so, uh, creed, we don't usually use that word, um, but in, in the language, creed, it's very important we grasp that, because it, it's credo in, in Latin. I'm not an expert in Latin. But it doesn't just mean belief. And that's very important for us as we go through this and look at the essentials. What are we saying when we say this? Because when I said this, I didn't believe it. I thought it. I thought, That's, that, that kind of makes sense. But I didn't believe it in the sense that the word is supposed to mean. Because this creed, when they would do this creed, this is how they used the creed. Um, the apostles most likely used it when they went out. Because they went out and eventually uh, when Stephen was martyred and, and they were being persecuted in Jerusalem, they, they split up out of survival's sake. And as they went, they began sharing, as they just shared naturally. They didn't say, hey, let's go plant some churches. No, they're like, hey, let's stay alive. And so they split up, and as they're trying to stay alive, they would just share this faith that they had, and and people started to realize, oh my gosh, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And so people started believing, and these churches started. And then they started coming up with their own crazy beliefs. 
And so the apostles had to come together, and we've, we've heard of their councils and the, the Jerusalem Council is one of my favorite ones, where they'd come together to work on some issues. Well, this boiled down to this. They said, look, as long as you've got this down, we're all on the same page. If you agree with this, then we're brothers and sisters because these are the essentials. Yeah, you might, you might believe this, you might believe that, and that's a little bit different, and that's important. We need to discuss that, but this is, this is where it's at. This is the essentials. The other thing that they would do with this is if you were baptized, and they usually do this around the Easter time, is uh, for several weeks you would go through this and they would study this because this is what it means. When you say you follow Jesus, this is what you're saying that you believe, that you trust. And so they would say this, and actually you'll notice it's broken into three parts. Um, I believe, or, or some translations will say we believe, I believe in God, and then it says some stuff. I believe in Jesus Christ, and then it says things about believing about Jesus Christ. And then it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so you'd be baptized actually three times. So you'd stand there, and you know how like we always go, hold your nose and back up. I always give people the opportunity when they're being baptized, hey, you don't have to go that way. You could do it like they used to do it back in the day. Like they would just go straight down. And they'd have a crew of people, like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 10, 5, however many, but a group of people. And they would go through this creed. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? If so, go under. And then they'd, they'd take themselves under. There wasn't someone to, like, take them under. They'd just go down on their own. And then they'd say, do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord? And they'd go through that. And if they agreed, then they'd go underwater. And then they'd go down to the, the last part. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness? Do you, okay. And then they'd go under. This is what they use this for. Because it was so important. They said, do you understand what you're getting yourself into? And that word credo, believe, this is what it means. It means not to say, I think there's a God. Or I, I believe there's a God. No, that's not what this is saying. That's where the English messes it up for us. What it means is, I trust in God. Or I have confidence in God. Or I am going to rely on Jesus Christ. And I'm going to rely on the fact that he's a, the only son, our Lord. I'm going to rely that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. I'm going to depend in the Holy Spirit, in the holy, universal, united church, the communion of saints. Like, I'm going to rely. I'm going to have confidence. I'm going to trust this. And so as we go through this and discuss this, we need to understand what's there. What does it mean to believe? Because too often we say, yeah, I believe, sure, that makes sense. But that's not what this is about. When I was sitting there uh, in that group and repeating this, there were people there that trusted and confided. And when they said this, this was something special to them. Now, it could have been one of those Sundays where they gathered and they were thinking about other things. But there were people there that had taken their life and had evolved and grown to the point where they not only knew the words... But they'd made a commitment that they were going to trust, that they were going to have confidence, and they were going to rely on this. And that their life would reflect that. Because too often we can say these things, but it's not real. You could say the Pledge of Allegiance, but not really believe it. This, though, blows away the Pledge of Allegiance and any other pledge there is. Because this is, this is where you're saying is this is the center of my life. Because if you believe this, if you trust this, Everything changes. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to go over this and discuss this. But what I want to focus on for just this morning is that word believe. 
what it was intended to mean and to go to the core of it. So we're going to look at James chapter 2. Um, Jeff, if you could put that up for me, please. And so it starts with this. James is trying to discuss what it means, what the difference is between faith and actually living it out. Because if you trust and confide, then it goes from thinking something to living something. And James is discussing and arguing about this with, with the people he loves, saying, look, you need to understand something about faith and trust. So he says this. He says, so it is with faith. If it is alone and includes no actions, then it's dead. Which is another way to say, if you think something, but there's no actions that come along with it, it's like saying that a corpse is a, a, a person. Think about that for a second. If you've ever been in a biology class, maybe you've never had that opportunity, but if you've ever been in one and you've seen a cadaver, a cadaver is not a person. It's a shell that's left over. The soul's not there. And so to have faith without actions is the same as having a body with no soul in it. It's just going to fall to the ground, right? It collapses. And so when we say we believe, but we're not going to put our weight into it and put our life into it and our actions behind it, then it's like having a corpse. It's dead. So it is with faith. If it's alone and includes no actions, then it is dead. Now, I'm not going to have the verse numbers for each of these because I didn't want them to get in the way. So you're going to have to track along with your Bibles. So we'll go to, uh, this is verse 17, but we'll go to 18, and then I won't refer to any more numbers from then on out. Um, so, um, no, if we could go back up to the second slide. Thanks. Do you believe that there is only one God? Good. The demons also believe, and they tremble with fear. The first time I heard that, that kind of messed me up a little bit. I was like, wait, what? And what he's talking about with his faith, James is saying, look, okay, so you have faith, but you have no actions. Then It's not really faith. He goes, faith is easy. The demons know that Jesus is the Son of God. They know that. It's not like, well, I didn't know. I thought he was lying. No, they know. That's why every time you see Jesus interacting with the demonic, they're like, please don't cast us out. Like, they know who has the authority. They understand that, but they don't trust and rely and have confidence in him. They left. And so, this is, it shook me up to hear this. I was like, when you think about that and really wrestle with that, that's big time stuff. Because if they were to ever say the creed, they wouldn't have to. They know. They know the truth. They just choose to disregard it. If we go to the next part of the verse. So he's trying to explain this. James is trying to put this into practical terms for them. The difference between saying, I believe in the English sense, and the intention with the Apostles' Creed of, I trust, I have confidence, I will rely on this. He says, you fool. Okay, that's pretty hardcore, right? You're talking to your friends, you're a fool. Have you ever said that to one of your friends? Probably not going to go over well. They're probably going to hear very little of what you say after that. But... In this sense, it's saying, look, you're, you're missing it. You fool. Do you want to be shown that faith without actions is useless? Then look at this. And he refers back to Abraham, which any good Jew would understand. He said, how was our ancestor Abraham put right with God? It was through his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. And we're not going to go through that, um, through that historical story. But the basics of it is, is that Abraham 
heard God and knew with confidence that God had called him to offer his own son as a living sacrifice, meaning to kill him. Okay, if I hear that, that even if I knew it was God, that, that's, that's not just I think. I believe that's like you're trusting and confiding and relying on oh, God. You must know what you're doing because this is crazy talk. This makes no sense at all to me. I have my idea of how things are supposed to go. This is my only son. We waited forever for him. And now you're telling me to offer him up? And we know that as he walked up and went all the way to the end with a knife right there, then God stepped in and said, I just wanted to know that you really trusted me, that you relied on me and you had confidence. And I know, and upon you, there will be people that will follow me. You will be the people of God and you will lead them. Father Abraham, if you ever heard the song, this is Abraham. And as James is trying to describe this, they know the story of Abraham, who he's talking with. And then he says this, can't you see? His faith and his actions worked together. His faith was made perfect through his actions. And the scripture came true that said, Abraham believed God. And because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. And so Abraham was called God's friend. And we'll continue going through James to the last part right here. You see then that it is by our actions that we are put right with God and not by our faith alone. There is such beauty in this statement of of us as we go through these Apostles' Creeds. And even more importantly, as we go to what the Apostles' Creed points us to. The promises in the word of God as it points us back. We've got to make a decision here. Do we trust this? Do we have actions that back up that we trust this? Um, there was, uh, I can't say his name because it's French and it, it goes for a while. But uh, his name was, we'll call him Jean because that was his first name. And then he has like three other names behind it. But he was the guy that was the first one and really the only true one that would go across Niagara Falls um, like walking the tightrope. You know, they don't even have video because it was like back in the day, right? Before that video. And um, they, he called himself the great Blondin because he's French and he had blonde hair and his dad basically called him Blondie. And in French, Blondin is like saying, hey, Blondie. Like, you know, that's what some people refer to my oldest son as. Like, hey, Blondie, because he has white hair. Well, this Frenchie had like blonde hair, right? And most French do not have blonde hair, but he did. So he called him the uh, Blondin. And so when he got into however he did this. As a kid, he would do all these weird things, um, almost like slack lines. He loved to get across and do things, and he's just good at it. And so he came up with this crazy idea to walk across Niagara Falls. Now, I thought, oh, big deal. Because he didn't really walk over it. I don't know if you know that. That's not really that impressive. He, he walked, like, over the water next to it. And I've, I've seen waterfalls. I'm like, what's the big deal? Well, I guess right under Niagara Falls, it's a class five rapids, which means you get in it, you die. So then it sounded a little more intense to me. The wind is blowing, like to test it. Um, uh, Nowadays, when someone tried it, they had helicopters flying over them so they could replicate how strong the wind would be. Because if you just go, oh, look, I'm good on a slack line. Well, that's different when you have a 75-mile-per-hour wind blowing against you. So this great Blondin, which he called himself, kind of a little arrogant, but he's good at it. So he can call himself great. He had a line, but it wasn't like this metal cable. It was hemp. How's that? 1,100 feet. That's how long it is from one point to the other. So 1,100 feet of slack line. And no matter what they did, it was like, 
They would, there's no way to do it, so it would be like this. Because it's hemp, right? And so it was about um, two inches wide at the longest points. And I don't know where you come up with an 1,100-foot line of hemp, but somehow he came up with it. And then he hooked it up. And then there were no rules back then, so he just did it. Told a bunch of people he was going to do it, and he just walked across. You know, had the, the stick and the whole deal. And people were, like, blown away. So then it got to the point later where there's 50,000 people there. So imagine, like, um, Petco Stadium and then double the population. Boom. Packed. All lined up to see this guy go across. So the great blonde is, is going across. He's got his thing. Then he just starts, like, showing off. He keeps coming back and doing it uh, other days. And so he starts going across and laying down on it. Then he gets to the point where he takes this um, oven, has it to his back, and he's up there, like, making eggs on the, on the hemp line. And the boat's underneath him. And so he drops them down breakfast. He's just like totally sure. He's trying to do something better each time. So then he gets to the point where he has a wheelbarrow. And he's got this wheelbarrow and he's going across it. And everybody just loves the guy. Right? He's the great. You're the best. So he's like feeding off of them. And he's got his little wheelbarrow. And he comes across and he goes, who thinks that I could put a person in this? Actually, he's French. Who believes I could put a person in these? And they're walking across. And so he says that and like, we do. And he starts pointing at people, you know, do you, do you? Yes. And then he points to them, okay, you believe? Yeah, get in. Nobody got in. Like, oh, we believe, we believe, but nobody really wanted to get in the wheelbarrow. He never found anyone to ever get in the wheelbarrow, ever. So he had his business manager. And eventually he got him and he put him on his back. And he says, let's walk across because nobody else would do it. But the business manager had seen enough time. And so he's walking across. I believe. I don't know if he really believed or he said, look, I'm going to fire you unless you... I don't know how they worked it out. But he got on his back. And there's pictures of him carrying him across. And they get halfway across. And the other guy freaks out and says, put me down. And so they're sitting there in a French argument in the middle because the great blonde is like, get on my back. I'm going across. If you don't come, I'm just going to leave you here. They're screaming at each other. And eventually he knows he's... he's going to get stuck there, and he's not going to make it on his own. So he gets on his back, and he says, look, I'm going to walk. You just move when I move. Don't lean. You just sit there, and I'll get you across. You could talk about belief, but that's trust. That's reliance. You might even argue in the midst of it, but when he looked at himself in the middle of that slack line, so to speak, by himself, he's like, I'm not going to make it by myself. I have more confidence and trust in you to get across than I do in myself. That's what this means. When James is discussing this, he says, you see then that is by our actions that we are put right with God. That doesn't mean forgiven. To be put right with God doesn't mean that you're forgiven. That's a gift. That's a free gift. You don't have to earn that. These actions aren't to earn that. To be put right with God means to be put where you're supposed to be. To have your life right where it's supposed to be. And if your life is right where it's supposed to be, then you'll be in the presence of God. But to be there, you have to actually trust and rely in him. And I know that many of you are just like me, sitting in a church repeating the creed and not really quite there yet. In the, uh, in, in the time of John Wesley, they, they had a term for people that were where I was at and where I'm at at times. They called them halfway Christians. And it wasn't a slam. It wasn't saying, oh, you're, half, yeah, you're halfway. No, it was like, you're not quite there yet. Almost like the guy that went across the slack line and then said, put me down. It's like you're almost there, but 
this is the rest of the way. Like, keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. I mean, they would, um, they would say that, yeah, God is there. God is real. But they didn't know him. That's going the rest of the way, getting to know God. They would say that uh, God is able to forgive sins. Of course he's able to forgive sins. That's why he died. But have you allowed him to forgive your sins? Have you come to him and confessed and, and trust that he will forgive you? Some of us are so burdened with guilt. Uh, God would never forgive. What do you mean he won't forgive you? Again, halfway there. Do you trust? Do you have confidence that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again so that you could be forgiven of your sins. And again, you know, is God reliable? Yeah, of course he's reliable. Well, then get in. Get in the wheelbarrow. Get in and really, truly trust. Take all the stuff that's important to you and entrust him with it. Even the stuff you don't fully understand. Um, with this, currently, right now, there's, um, I'm having to really experience this. Because you're going to experience this in your life. Where points where you're following Christ, and then there's points where you're going to hit something, you're like, ooh, you want that part? I remember when I was uh, in the high school, college age, it was um, dating life. God, you got all this, but this is mine. I didn't say that, but I didn't include him in that. I, you know, you kind of choose the things that, you entrust him with and the things that you don't. But that's not how it works. God wants us to give him our whole life and entrust everything with him. And I remember, and I just got to that point where I finally just said, okay, God, I, don't have, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. I entrust you with this. I've messed it up the entire time. I entrust you. Which felt like, okay, God, so I guess that means I'm never going to get married. That's what it felt like at that moment when I, when I fully in my heart and he confessed it before the Lord. I said, look, you've got this. You've got my dating life. You've got my future marriage. And as I said that, I was like, I guess that means I'm not getting married. But that means I'm trusting him. And I've reached a new thing in my life. And um, I try not to center too many things around me. Because that's not why we're here. But hopefully this will help you to put this into practice. And, and to see how it practically works. So there's rumors going around about my health. Um, uh, uh, some pretty crazy ones. And um, so I wanted to kind of clarify some of that, but also tell you how this is, this trust and reliance is being put, in, being put to the test for me. So what's happening right now is I'm having these joint pains. We came back from El Salvador. I'm not really sure what happened. I don't know if it's from El Salvador, and neither do the gazillion doctors I've been seeing, but I have this really intense joint pain to the point where I can't surf, I can't, like, squeeze my, you know, just, it, and it moves around, which is pretty cool, you know. Sometimes in the shoulders. Oh, this morning it's in the knees. And it just moves around. And, um, you know, you start to get comfortable in your life. And a lot of things that I'm used to doing are being taken away. And, and then your mind starts to go, well, what if it never comes back? I, I was yesterday thinking about, um, you know, my kids. And like, what, wait, what if I don't get to, like, throw a baseball with my kids ever again? Like, I can't. I can't throw it back and forth. You know, Kara's like, hey, Dad, can you take me out and take me surfing and push me into waves? And I, and I can't. And I'm like, wait, is this like a forever thing? Like, is this done? And then you start to get scared and you start to get worried. And, and um, I thought about my, you know, my things, my toys at my house that I'm used to doing. Oh, yeah, I get to do that for fun. I get to do... And they're in the garage, but they may not get used again. 
And I'm not going to say I'm excited about that. Well, that's no big deal. But I, I do want to confirm this. I trust, I have confidence, and I rely on the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And I have come to him. I've had the elders. I've had friends. I've had many of you come and pray over me. And it hasn't left. Okay, God is the creator. I trust and rely and have confidence that he's the creator of heaven and earth. This is nothing. He created me. He could take this away. And he's chosen not to. And it makes absolutely no sense to me. But I trust him. And I'm going to have my moments where I'm bummed and I want this to happen, I want that to happen. But I trust that God knows what he's doing. And we need to get to that point as people where we aren't halfway there, but we truly just give him all of us. And say, I trust and rely on you for everything, even when it doesn't make sense to me. Now, let's be honest. We look around, there's so much happening in this world, we're like, what are you doing, God? Like, really, this makes no sense to me. And there's so much of my simple illness right now where I don't understand it. And I don't understand why. But the question for us is not why. Because if we truly trust and rely and have confidence that he's our Father Almighty, just that word Father, they chose that for a purpose. Father, Daddy, he loves me. He's not trying to punish me. He cares for me. He's looking out for me. And my trust is in that love that he has for me. And so when I don't get what I want, my trust and confidence is still in him. When we look through these essentials, they're going to be put to the test. Like, where is our trust? And as we begin to give him more, he wants to give us the full life. And so the question I'm asking now is not why, it's what. Okay, Lord, you're obviously allowing this to happen. You could have taken it away, so what? What do you want me to learn from this? Or, as we've seen time and time again in Scripture, there was the the blind man, and and they said, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his mom, or was it because of something they did? He's like, no. You want to know why this man was born blind? So that he could bring glory to God. Maybe, somehow, this is going to bring God glory. Then so be it. My trust and confidence is in him. And I can share this because I know that you have your things either that you've gone through, that you're going through, or that you will go through. And we all have to make that decision. Not do I think God is real. That's not up for debate. You can debate that if you want. What really is important is, do you trust? Do you choose to trust, to confide, and rely on him and who he promises that he is? 